getting together by way of the, the internet and technology that we have. It's really fantastic that we're able to get together and though in separate homes we're all one as we come and we worship God and stuff. Now, I'm hoping that I felt a surge, sort of an earthquake moving in Charles County when I said God and stuff. If you've been a part of this congregation for any length of time, you know uh, what God and stuff means. Uh, and if you haven't, let me explain it to you. Uh, if, if you talk to people about what they believe and where their faith is, a lot of times the answer you get is something on the order of, well, I, I believe in God and stuff. And that phrase God and stuff just sort of, it, it's frustrating to me. Because I think, you know, if we're kind, what the person is trying to say is, I believe in God and all that that means and all that entails. I can't quite list it out right now. I know that I should bring to the forefront the specifics of what I mean when I say I believe in God, but I can't do that, so I'll just say I believe in God and all that other stuff. But I suspect that the phrase actually means I believe in God, but I don't want to be penned down right now. I believe in God, but I don't want to have to really talk about it or think about it. I, I believe in God, but I'm not sure I can really explain it. I believe in God, but I don't really want to have to go into the changes in life that would, that would, that would result from that. So I believe in God and stuff. Don't bother me. Don't, don't talk to me anymore about it. I just believe in God and stuff. And so one of the things that, that we've tried to do in our fellowship is either literally or at least mentally and spiritually say goodbye to God and stuff. Because we don't worship some generic God. We don't worship some notion of God. We worship a very specific understanding of who God is as he has revealed himself in the scriptures to us. And so this morning I would like for you to think with me for a moment just one of the things that it means to say, I believe in God. And it's really a very radical kind of of thing to say. And our text this morning is found in the book of Genesis, chapter 1, verse 1. And no, this is not the beginning of a verse-by-verse exposition of the entire Bible. Um, although, if time permits, uh, uh, never mind. But in, in, in our thoughts this morning, I want for us to have that verse in front of us. And, and let me just put it in front of us here. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It's a very simple verse. You can memorize it. I think it's like 10 words in English. I think it's about five words in the Hebrew. So memorize it in Hebrew and it's a lot easier. But this this verse is so, so simple to understand. We teach it to our preschoolers. It's one of the first things they learn. God made me. God made the world. You know, in the beginning, God created the world. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It's a very, very simple verse. And yet, every word of it is wrapped in a profound meaning. Every word of it draws us into the deep mystery of who God is and how he could love us. Every word of this very simple verse is actually life-transforming. You see, when you look at Genesis 1-1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, the first thing we learn about God when we open the pages of the Bible is that he is our creator. 
He's not just some uh, entity, some God who's on par with us or maybe used to be on par with us but now is a little bit ahead of us. He's not just some figure of history who is doing really, really well right now, but rather God is creator and we are not creator. We are creation. And there's a radical distinction between those two. To say, I believe in God is to say, I believe God is the creator, and I believe he is my creator, and I believe that means I am creation. To say, I believe in God is to say, I think everything that exists, the whole universe, that's, that's what that, that word pairing, heavens and the earth, that, that's what it, it, it says in, 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 uh, as, you, as you put it together. It's a thought. It says everything that exists, the whole universe In the beginning, God created the whole universe. But when when we say that and we look at the creation around us, what we see is the marvelous handiwork of God. We see the outworking of the wisdom of God. We see the presence and and the operation of the power of God. To say that God is creator is to say something just astronomically large about God, but to say also something astronomically large about the world and about us. God is the creator and we are the creation. And that, that puts a, a big gulf, a big gap between who God is and who we are. That's why we, we talk about God is eternal, but we are finite. God is infinite, but we are limited. God is all-powerful. God is all-knowing. God is omnipresent, omnipresent, if you will. And we are limited to one place, one time, and limited in our strength. God is all-knowing and all-wise. We are limited in our understanding and our, and our wisdom. God is perfectly good. He is perfectly wonderful, perfectly beautiful. And we are just struggling to attain to those things. God is infinitely glorious. And we are created to reflect His glory. So when we say God created the heavens and the earth, we're saying God as creator, uh, it, it's, it's not like he's just an extension of who we are and just better at it. It is that God is totally other than who we are. And that creates something of a problem because how are we going to get from who we are as creation to who God is as creator? And the answer is that we can't make that leap. We can't get from where we are to, to where God is, from who from who we are to uh, who God is. We just can't make the leap across that gap. But this verse reminds us of the grace of God because he makes that leap for us. He, He covers the gap, and he is the God who comes to us. Now, first, let me remind you that if we were to read the next couple of verses here in Uh, Genesis chapter 1, it would say God created the heavens and the earth and the Spirit of God moved across the face of the waters or hovered across the face of the waters. And then in verse 3 it says, and God said, and the outworking of creation then is presented to us in the rest of chapter 1 into chapter 2. But what we have here in the opening pages, in the opening verses of the Bible, is God, unknowable, way beyond us who yet sends his spirit into the world to draw us and then speaks his word to invite us. And here's how significant that is. I just want to read for you very quickly how uh, John begins his gospel. This gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 1, 
in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. The Word was God. In the beginning, He was in the beginning with God. Now in verse 3, John chapter 1, All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In other words, God spoke creation into existence by the power of His Word, and we know that Jesus Christ is the Word of God. Because a little bit later on, as we come down to verse 14, still in John chapter 1, we read, And the Word became flesh, and the Word dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son, from whom the Father, full of grace and truth. In other words, Jesus Christ is the Word that God spoke to bring creation into existence. For whatever else we say, we can only know the Creator through His Word, through His Son, Jesus Christ. So then in verse 18, no one has ever seen God. That is, there's just such a a distinction between who we are and who God is that we could never even encompass in the smallest way who God is. No one has seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. That is the Word. That is the Son of God. The only God who is at the Father's side. He has made Him known. So that's how we know our Creator. It is through His Word. Through Jesus Christ. So back to Genesis chapter 1. We, we, we're reading in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And that's no small statement. It says everything about who we are and how we are to live. Now, a lot of people take a verse such as this and say, well, I believe in God. But they have sort of um, what, what you might call a, a deistic um, feeling about who God is. Uh, the the, uh, the um, philosophy of deism says that, yes, there's a God, but he's not really present in the world. Uh, he, he may have created the world, but he sort of winded it, uh, it up like a clock and then set it into motion. And we're pretty much on our own right now. Maybe once in a while God looks in on us, but, but God is basically not involved in the world at all. That's called deism, and that, that was a philosophy that, that was very prevalent. Uh, for instance, during the founding of our nation, a lot of, a lot of people held the idea, yeah, yeah, there's a God, but he's not really involved in things. And if you think about it, that's what a lot of people mean when they say, I believe in God and stuff. I believe there's a God, but I don't think he's involved in my life. I think there's a God, but I think the world pretty much gets along okay without him. Maybe once in a while we'll talk about him, we'll say some nice things, maybe, maybe sing a hymn at, uh, you know, like Christmas or Easter or something, but, but by and large, God is not too involved in my life. And that's what's meant by, I believe in God and stuff. But what the scripture teaches us is that God is vitally involved in our lives. That there's, there's nothing that happens in our lives that, that God is not aware of. That he's not superintending. That he is not watching over. That the birds, you know, they can't even fall out of a nest and God knows it. You know, the, 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 the grass and the lilies of the field and the flowers and all these things, God takes care of them. And how much more God is involved in our lives. Why? Because we are his creation. He designed us. He made us. And so he is involved in our lives. 
Some people have a view of God that is more uh, in the line of what's called dualism. And that is the idea that, well, you have a good God and you have a bad God. You have God, you have Satan. And they're sort of like going at each other. They're, they're fighting all the time. And, um, and, and we've just sort of got to help, help God uh, win the battle against evil every now and then. And so uh, there's this good and this evil, and, and we sure hope God wins, and we're going to help him if we have to. And so when I, I believe in God and stuff, and it means, well, I, sh- I should sort of try to do good things because, after all, God's in this battle with evil. Look, there is evil in the world, and it is personal and real, and the, and the presence and power of Satan is real in our world. But Satan is not God. He is not even a God. He's not even close to God. Satan is a created being as the angels are created beings. Satan does not have the status of God at all. It's a no contest. There's not a battle going on and we hope God wins. There's a victory going on that God has already won. And so the person who says, well, I believe in God and stuff, you know, so I should be doing good things because God is trying to do good things just really doesn't understand the magnitude of the goodness of God that cannot be overcome, the brilliance of God that cannot overcome, be overcome. There are some people who have a, uh, really what, what would amount to a, um, uh, a, uh, a polytheistic view of God. That is a, the, the idea that there's many gods. And, and the idea there is that, well, I have my God, you have your God, um, I do pretty good with my God. You do okay with your God. We won't fight about it, but everybody can have their own gods. And so while it's not I'm worshiping many gods, it is, well, there's ultimately, it's essentially many gods, and you just pick and choose the God that's good for you. That's what we mean when we say, well, I believe in God and stuff. I believe in a God, and there's stuff, other God's stuff, and you can believe in your God's stuff. There's only one God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is one. The Lord your God is one God. And the corollary of that is you should worship him and serve him and obey him with everything that you've got. There are not many gods to choose from. There's only one God. We don't get to design God the way we want him. There's only one God. And to say in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, is to say that God is not to be Uh, defined according to our whims, but God is who God is. That's the God that we must deal with, the God who created us. And and, uh, a fourth way of viewing God, and I think this is still uh, somewhat prevalent in in our world today, and it it would be, it's the idea of emanations, and this is the idea that God just sort of sends his his his, his beams of light in, into all of us. And we all have a little bit of light and the spark of God in us. And, and, and we all just sort of add us all together. And, and that's, that's what you get uh, when, when you talk about God. And so I believe in God and stuff because I have no idea how, how, how this works out. But it just makes me feel better to, to talk about we all have a spark of divine within us that just needs to be fanned into flame. That's, that's 19th century liberalism. But we are not emanations of God. It's not as though there's a continuing link between the being of God and our being. God exists solely within himself, and we are totally dependent upon him for our existence. We are not little moonbeams of God. And so to say, I believe in God and stuff is actually, in many ways, to deny believing in God at all. But to say, I believe in the God who created the heavens and the earth to say, I believe in the God that the Bible t- 
teaches. I believe in the God who is worshipped by Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I believe in the God who moved and inspired the prophets. I believe in the God who, who, who moved the pen of the poets and the psalmists. I believe in the God who sent his son Jesus Christ to die in our place. I believe in God who is the Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I believe in the God who has sent his Holy Spirit into the hearts of believers to transform us and to reshape us and to mold us and to guide us and to lead us and all those things. I believe in that God. I believe in the God who created the heaven and the earth. Now, as we look at the verse, it says, In the beginning, God created, which is really a good place to start at the very beginning of time. See, because time is also God's creation. God is not dependent upon time. He, he way transcends time. But uh, at the very beginning, if you're going to talk about time at all, things at all, you must start with God. And before time began, God was designing his purposes for his creation. The Bible tells us that before the foundation of the world, before this universe was cast down into its shape that it has, that God was already choosing his children and calling out his children, an already purpose that his son would be the, 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 the sacrificial lamb for our sins. That this was already in place in the eternal will and counsels of God before creation came into existence. In the beginning, when God created, his purpose was already there. And his design was already there. You see, and what that means is, it's not as though God was tooling around uh, heaven one day and he looked down and he said, oh, well, look at that, there's a universe down there. Let me go find out what's going on. Maybe, maybe I can do something. Maybe, maybe I can accomplish something in, in, in that thing down there that I just discovered. Hardly. God created the heavens and the earth for his purpose. And that purpose is his glory. That purpose is to reflect back to God the wonder of who he is. And whatever small goodness there is in us is to reflect the absolute goodness in God. Whatever beauty there is in creation is to reflect back the absolute beauty that there is in God. Whatever power and energy and strength there is in our, in our world around us is simply to reflect back the eternal, infinite power of God. Anything good, anything noble, anything beautiful that we see in this world around us is to reflect back who God is. That, I think that's some of what it means to say that we are created in the image of God, and that is we are to reflect back to God His own glory and the majesty of who he is. And so God had a purpose for creation before he even brought it into existence. Now the problem is that we have broken things. Our sin breaks things. When we reject our creator, when we try to exist and to live apart from him, we are not reflecting his glory. That is sin. That breaks creation. And, and there's a lot that could be said about what a broken creation is. What we do know is that when Jesus Christ died on the cross, he died for our sins, not for our sins only, but for the sins of the whole world. And that now even all of creation is groaning, waiting for that moment when the full display of the children of God will be brought to pass and the infinite glory of God will be seen as his purposes and plan for creation is worked out. God had a plan for creation, and 
we are created by God. And so what that means is when we sin, it is a sin against God. Let me illustrate it this way. Uh, you remember King David uh, doing right well for himself, but he, uh, he looks out his window and he sees a woman named Bathsheba. And he decides he wants her. The Bible says David is a man after God's own heart, but he sure acts like the rest of us a lot of times. But he wanted Bathsheba, and he took her. And when it was about to be discovered, because she was, she was with child, um, he decided, well, I've got to get rid of her husband, Uriah. And so we, we won't go into the de- details of the story, but essentially David has Uriah killed. And he thinks he's gotten away with it. Until the prophet of God, Nathan, comes to David and tells, Nathan, uh, tells David about a, a sinful situation, a situation in which uh, one man is trying to steal from a poor man. And David says, well, let me know who that sinner is so I can make sure justice comes his way. And that's when Nathan says, well, well David, you're the guy. You're the guy who's sinning. Now, David had sinned against the nation. He disappointed the trust they had put in him. He had sinned against Uriah. And against the family of Uriah and all those who loved him, he had sinned against them. And he had sinned against Bathsheba as he had um, manipulated her and, and used her for his own desires. But when he confessed this sin, here's how he said in Psalm 51, he says, Lord, against thee and thee only have I sinned. He understood that the magnitude of sin is measured by the magnitude of who God is because God's uh, sovereignty and God's um, righteousness and holiness are what defines our lives. And when we fall short of that, the Bible says we do. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. And we fall into sin, and it's sin against God. It's, it, it, to me, it's wonderful the way you look at this verse and you just see all these things. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and he never let go of it. He didn't decide, well, forget that. They've disappointed me. They've sinned against me. Let them just sort of spiral off into the darkness. But rather what God did was he sent his son to die in our place, to take our sin upon himself so that our sin was put to death on the cross of Jesus and the righteousness of Jesus was given to us so that we might be clothed in the righteousness of Christ, able to stand before the throne of God. And I think that's why in 2 Corinthians 5.17, Paul says that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. You get that? He is a new creation creation. The old things have passed away. All the things we've broken, all the things that we've destroyed, all the things that are falling apart now because of the way that we've, we've just sort of mismanaged everything that God has given us. Because of our sin, all of that, the old has passed away. And the new has come. And in Christ Jesus, we are now a new creation, created for the glory of God now able to live in the way that God has designed for us. So we read this very simple verse. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And so God is the creator, and we can rejoice and, and, and just worship and adore him because he's our creator. 
and our sustainer. Now he is our redeemer. We are his creation. And there's something interesting in that. I'm, uh, it, it, I hope you're seeing it in the verse the way I am. But God created, and what God creates is a creation. We are the creation of God. We are not just things. We're not just things. Now, there's a lot of people who think we are just things. You know, you're just the sum total of the protoplasm and the cell structure and the minerals coursing through your body. And, and you're, you're just a thing to be studied scientifically. You know, in this, in this current situation, as we've been given the, um, uh, the shutdown or shut-in, I, I guess, uh, maybe it's both, uh, order from the government, uh, we're not really being treated as, as, as uh, individuals. We can't afford to do that. Scientists don't deal with that. Scientists deal with statistics. And the reason they're closing us in is not because they decided that I happen to be the one person who could share this virus with everybody on the planet. That's not why I'm staying home. I'm staying home because the scientists are playing the odds. And I'm a thing in their equation. But we are not things before God. Jesus said that that the, the good shepherd calls us by name. And that when we are called to Christ, it's the Father who calls us unto him. We are not things. We are creations. And the creator loves his creation. And there's a lot of hope and there's a lot of confidence in that. A lot of encouragement in that. Because as his creation, he never lets go of us. He never gets tired of us. He always draws us unto himself. And so I'd, I would just invite you to look at that verse. It's, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And just think about how profound that is. The first thing we learn about God is that he is our creator and we are his creation. And the challenge I'd like to give you this week, really, and and I'm hoping to build on what Randy talked about last week, and that is that uh, we were challenged to spend 10 minutes, at least, but 10 minutes in in devotion, and just a, a private, quiet time worshiping our Creator. And I'd like you to continue that. Maybe, maybe this is the first you've heard of it. Well, uh, it was 30 days starting, I guess, last Sunday or Monday. Um, if, if you haven't uh, tied into that, just start where we are. Just start today spending time worshiping your Creator and glorifying Him because as His creation, He has redeemed you unto Himself, brought you to Himself through Jesus Christ, through the blood of the cross. So that never again Will we either mentally or in attitude or in meaning and certainly not in words? Certainly we will never, ever again say, I believe in God and stuff. But it will be our joy to say, I believe in the God who created the heavens and the earth. I believe in the God who has made me a new creation through Jesus Christ. I believe in the God who sends his Holy Spirit to draw me to him that I might worship him and adore him and praise him, obey him. I believe in the God who created the heavens and the earth and will say goodbye to God and stuff. Let's pray together. And Father, how thankful we are that your grace comes to us unmerited, unearned, and that we have this joy and this privilege 
not because of our merit, but because of the blood of Christ, to know you and to serve you and to worship you and to adore you. And so, Father, I would pray that all of us together, with a unity of heart and purpose and mind, that we would sing your praises and give you the glory and just magnify you because you are our creator. We ask these things in Jesus' name.